It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Up the Gamecocks, the show, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Molinax here on a Wednesday. Happy hump day to all you folks out there. Good to be with you today. Uh, got a guest right off the top, uh, Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports is going to join us. I know all of you have been looking forward to this. Uh, catch the late kick live uh, and all of his great stuff on YouTube, 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Uh, he streams. He's on CBSSports.com. He's everywhere. Uh, I still remember a time when uh, Josh was broadcasting out of Columbus, Georgia, and I'd go on, I think, Thursday nights, and we'd talk a little SEC football and stuff like that. Uh, but really talented guy. And certainly glad that he's uh, taking some time out of his busy day to join us today. Phil, do we have him yet? Not yet. Not yet. I'm going right. to let you know. Well, let me know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Today's poll question, because um, everything's gotten a little negative around here, um, <laughs> is uh, simply this. Uh What's more likely to happen? Uh, will the Gamecocks uh, upset? I mean, will the Gamecocks? Okay. What's more likely? Okay. Both are unlikely, right? Will Carolina, is it more likely that they upset Tennessee at home or go on the road and upset Clemson? Uh, the poll is now um, uh, heavily in favor of the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> uh, I think by about 90%. Uh, you know, and, and I think, Phil, it, it, it's simple. Clemson just hasn't played as well this year as uh, as Tennessee. You know, I, I think when you're talking about Tennessee, uh, being able to score points in bunches and all that, the, the, only, the only thing about this game – uh, Saturday, and, and it's gonna it's gonna take something crazy happen. And I think I mean Tennessee's gonna have to not play well uh, for the Gamecocks to win. Uh, is Tennessee hasn't been in very many road environments this year? I mean Pitt, uh, who else? LSU, but that was at noon, and then um, gosh, uh, Georgia where they lost. So um, you know we'll see how they play uh, when they come to Williams Bryce Stadium at night. Uh, I will tell people that uh, I understand those of you that have sold your tickets and don't want to go. Um, but I also will say this. I mean, it, it is a when you're talking about recruiting and things like that, there's a chance uh, to have a big time environment showcased primetime ESPN. Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler are calling the game. <laughs> SEC Nation's going to be there. Um, so man, maybe you can go and have a good pregame time. Like I said, don't blame anybody. It's not going. Um, <clears throat> but I do know this, the coaching staff has a lot of good recruits on, on campus and, uh, it's a big weekend for them, uh, as far as that goes. And remember recruits aren't so much into winning and losing and that kind of thing. They're more into the atmosphere because they all think they're going to come in and immediately make the program better. Right. So <laughs> Uh, it's always good to show up. Plus, it's the last home game. There's a lot of a lot of guys that are uh, walking on senior night, folks, that have played a lot of football around here. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. Uh, put and a lot of them put their heart and soul into it. So uh, I'm not preaching to anybody. Like I said, I understand those of you that have won the game or, or that don't want to go to the game because of the likely outcome. But there are reasons 
that impact the football program, uh, both past, present, and future, uh, to show up if you feel like it. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like in Columbia this weekend either, Phil, but uh, that's uh, always a factor. If, it, if it's snowing or something, like it is where I'm at, <laughs> maybe maybe you take a pass, right? Let 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 Kirk and Chris freeze in that kind of. I think of it's going to be a little cool, but I don't know if it'll be that bad. Yeah, seven p.m. kickoff. Tennessee is a nineteen and a half point favorite to open. I thought that was actually low, but um, yeah, same. You know. <laughs> I figured we'll, we'll it'd you know be around twenty four and a half. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Somebody somebody was talking to me the other day. They're like, I almost emptied my savings account. And through, you know, through everything on the vaults, <laughs> mm. I was like, could be easy money, but you know, when you start betting Carolina games, that that's when it gets kind of tricky, right? And, yeah, you know. All right, so that's it. Uh, Nana Sports chat box, as always, is fired up. First, want to get to this. Okay, th- there's two tweets in the I Help Consulting mailbag, and uh, uh, the first one is, you know, the poll in response to the poll question today. Finn goes. Should have a third more plausible option, one where we are only a three-touchdown dog like Jackson State minus 17 in the bowl game. Uh, You know, and he goes on to trash the offense and all this stuff. Look, uh, there's been some games this year, and and by the way, I I don't think you're going to have the same offensive coordinator for the bowl game. Um, Maybe, but I think that would be – that would probably cause some people to be less interested in the bowl game. Yeah, I don't uh, think that's going to benefit the program at all. <laughs> and look, Jackson State's gotten some good recruits here. There, they're still an FCS program. Um, you know, any kind of team like that, Gamecock Steve. I mean, that's all match up with you. Uh, well, no, somebody speculated a, ma- a rematch with UConn in the Birmingham Bowl. I was like, ooh. Um, mm. You know, so I, I, I think, I think. If it's six and six is the final regular season record, you need to win that bowl game because you don't have a losing record, right? That would be what three losing seasons in four years. You don't want that kind of trajectory. So, no. you know. Anyway, don't don't you know? Don't trash it, right? You know, come on, man. And then this other guy, uh, the the poll question the other day was about um, basketball. Are you encouraged? Encouraged, not. Fired up, not, you know, declaring championships, not booking NCAA tournament tickets, nothing. Are you encouraged? What encouraged? I think we're all encouraged by, uh, you know, by the start, 2-0 start and the win over Clemson. Oh, my God. This guy just goes off. We get SC State by three points and an awful Clemson team with their only solid player on a minutes restriction. First of all, P.J. Hell is not just solid. He's really good. He did play. This Clemson team was not projected to be at the bottom of the ACC. They may not have played well that night, but that doesn't tell you they're not a good team. I'm not sure what they'll do. I wasn't totally impressed, but the Gamecocks won the game. You know, they, they didn't they didn't just go out there and Clemson screwed around and did nothing. Gamecocks went and won the game, okay? Um you know, uh, anyone with a logical mind, yeah, this mm. guy's talking about a logical mind, wouldn't deem to be encouraging. Oh, encourage. Okay, so that's encouraging is a step too far, right? <laughs> I, I thought encouraging was the right uh, choice to make. Um, you know, you can't be encouraged. Funny how prevalent novelty bias. Yeah, guys that use big words like this on Twitter are, are usually really dumb. 
uh, just to say that. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying some of these guys are. I'm not saying this guy's dumb either. He may not be, but this was a dumb statement. Uh, 80% crazy could have predicted that response. So, so let me get this straight. And it was actually 76%. And I also had a third option that said, I want to see more. So yes was 76 and a half. No was 2.1. I want to see more is 21.4. Um, and, and so that that's the reality of it, right? Um, but I, I was just like, so fans aren't allowed after two wins and look not pretty at all the time, but with a brand new team and a brand new coach, including a win over your rival that you beat at home for the first time in almost a decade. Okay, I don't care how good or bad they are. They're your rival. Uh, So you're not allowed to feel encouraged. And then he goes, uh, you know, uh, hashtag fan base, you know, and I'm like, you know, so look, this guy's got two. He's following two people. Uh, He's got 11 followers. Um, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, he's retweeted Frank Martin a couple of times. I don't know. I, I think encouraged. Maybe he's a Frank guy. And I understand that. So am I. But it was a very benign question, I, I thought. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm not having much tolerance for BS this week. Uh, I don't know. Those of you on the bigspur.com know I'm a lot I come across a lot tamer here because I write a lot different than I speak. Um, you know, so I've been kind of going off and and I'm going to probably put uh, something up today to kind of explain myself. I think it's perfectly okay to be upset and frustrated with this football team because they've, they've basically left a lot on the table and they've left a lot on the table for the reason that all of us and very few people said, Great idea. Bring Marcus Satterfield back. But everybody, because they like Shane Beamer and because you got some players from the portal, and you're like, oh, well, maybe it is the place. We're all talking ourselves into it, right? Mm. Every one of us. No, it should be better. There's players. There's no excuse. And I always, I, I said all of I'm going to give it a chance, but there's no excuse. And there wasn't, and there isn't. Um, one of the uh, mailbag questions came in from Doc, who actually got the predicted the score uh, not right, but uh, the, the Gators would win by 11, uh, and they won by 32. Um, but uh, I got a, a question. Is this the worst you've seen? And I thought back, Phil, and it's really the worst since the – when you consider the, comp, the, the, the competition and, and the type of defense Florida was playing coming into the game, uh, and when you consider all of that, it was the worst since the Holtz era. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1999. Yeah. <laughs> 1999. And that was, uh, I think they played six different quarterbacks. That was actually a year you had an excuse. Six different quarterbacks. And Lou was running the offense from 93, from Notre Dame 93, uh, with uh, six different quarterbacks. And uh, it was a mess. That team got injured. They, they actually played a tougher schedule. They had out of conference, they had NC State and East Carolina and Clemson. And so that, that was back when there was only 11 regular season games. They went 0-11, um, and that's the last time I can remember relative to competition this offense looking this horrendous. Maybe the 6 Georgia game where Georgia shut them out for some reason. Um, well, Spurrier would have a game like that every now and then, but th- this was just, you know, running the ball into the teeth of the deep. I mean, it was, it was a disaster, disaster, complete disaster, uh, historically 
a, a bad disaster, all things considered, on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense wasn't much better to start with. Um, and so I guess you're just a special teams program right now, right? Uh, <laughs> it would appear. But, hey, congrats to Pete Limbo for making the uh, Broyles list. <laughs> yes, he's the elite. award list. Yeah, I, oh, he is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote a column today because I, I do think this. I think there's enough good in the program from Shane Beamer, the head coach, and 90% of everything else that matters to where, and I talked about it, you know, the fan base is back and loud for the first time since Spurrier left. Uh, the the atmosphere at Williams Bryce is more like a rock concert now with all the lights and craziness that goes on there. See, it's going to be another showcase that, you know, no matter the outcome of the game, it's going to probably impact recruiting a bit Saturday night. Um, recruiting is going well. You know, they got the 15th ranked class. They had a top 10 portal class last year. Uh, they were in the top 25 high school wise last year. Um, recruiting is going well. And they're getting into some areas in recruiting, like geographically, that they normally didn't go to that make a lot of sense where you can get a lot of good players. Um, you know, so that's good. They got a good off the field staff Derek Moore, Taylor Edwards, all those folks. You know, the culture is there, folks. It's just not, it's frustrating anytime you lose. I don't care what your culture is. Um, but Beamer's done a good job of setting that. I think Clayton White, uh, next year's probably a big year for him on defense. Uh, if he doesn't take you know another job or something crazy like that, uh, they got to stop the run better. But hey, this this that unit's been forcing turnovers, keeping them in games at times. They need to start better, uh, and, and they also need to, to stop the run more consistently. Uh, I'll say this about starting too, Phil. Something interesting Beamer said yesterday. In the press conference, and this would be on the head coach because if I were the head coach, this wouldn't be me. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this is common these days. We don't do a lot of scout team, we go good on good. Yeah, that's yeah, I heard that, and that was a little concerning, especially considering the matchup that we're about to go into. Uh, because there are scant few similarities between the Satterfield offense and what Tennessee's running. No, it's night and day. <laughs> oh, God, and, know, and, yeah. and so I'm thinking, well, how, how does your defense, if you go, so, well, no wonder your defense takes sometimes a half to adjust when they play, you know, somebody that's not. Uh-huh. Well, think about this, Phil, though. Uh, so the, the, the defense got off to a good start win against A&M and took Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Those are similar style offenses. Yep. Hmm. I know, uh, <laughs> and I don't. I don't get it. I mean, they have a good walk-on program. There should be enough to have a scout team, right? I mean, oh, yeah, plenty of players on the play. roster. I've seen the roster. Um, it's a heck of a lot longer than uh, what we're playing every week. Mm-hmm. And look, I've always been convinced when you when you have an offensive coordinator that can never get anything going unless his team is lining up and running the ball almost at will. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're not. You're not really. There's nothing going on in terms of dissecting that other defense, right? Uh, and then, you, you know, then everybody wants to blame Spencer Rattler for it, whatever. Uh, yeah, so that was interesting, I thought. So maybe that's a, that, could, that could be something that develops into something over time. I, I want to give Shane Beamer the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, and I'd also like to do more research on kind of what other teams do. So is this uh, – and, again, if this is common in college, then wouldn't it be smart uh, – to not have a NFL style offensive plan. <laughs> if if you're just gonna go, we're just gonna go good on good, and then anyway, I'm preaching to the choir. I know. Uh, Craiger says, "Good morning." All right, Nana Sports chat box, right? 
Craiger says, good morning, crew. Could we have seen Lloyd's last game as a Gamecock if he's not able to go and is thinking about the NFL? Sure hope not, but it could happen. And Sean responds, I hope not. Kevin Harris and Zaquandre White have had mixed NFL success. I hope Marshawn learns from that and hangs around another year to increase his, his draft stock. Um, Xavier said, Lloyd is redshirted his first year, so technically he's still a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, and he's got an injury year and a COVID year, so he's almost – I guess last year was he was really like a freshman last year. Yeah, he's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll say this though, uh, I don't know what Lloyd's going to do. Uh, I think it, with a guy like that, if he comes back right uh, this season and has another decent to big game, I could see him going. And here's why: running backs have a shelf life, right? And he may go and just yeah, because I think I think he, a lot like Kevin Harris, will get drafted. Um, Zaquandre White, the, the scouts liked him, and I, I think eventually he's gonna stick. Uh, don't know why he didn't get picked up late, but I mean, there's a lot of running backs. But running backs have a shelf life, so uh, if you're hurt and you've kind of struggled with injuries, so to speak, uh, during your career in college, uh, if you get any kind of idea at all that you're gonna go and, and be drafted and have a chance to make a roster. I, I think you jump on it. Um, even some of your best running backs in the country, guys, don't don't go in the first, second round. Uh, most of them are fourth rounders. And what they do is they they kind of chew those guys up and spit them out. You know, you ever notice you'll have a team with a really good running back and then he'll have just a little bit of a down year and you have some guy that's been on the practice squad for two years that takes over and he's awesome. He's got fresh legs. Uh, that that's that's why with any running back I'm like, you know, coming back's all great and maybe you could get drafted. But if you think or if you've been told that hey, you know, you're ready at all, sometimes it's in your best interest to go just because that is a brutal position. Uh, Adam says, "Happy Hump Day, my dudes. Would love to have Lloyd back next season. Me too, especially with a new offensive coordinator." If, if that happens, I'm not confirming or denying anything. <laughs> um, uh, J-Rock says, good morning, y'all. Here's to hoping Sat has one of those games this weekend where the Tetris blocks happen to fall into place correctly. Here's my concern about that. Uh, Tennessee's defense, probably to me, now, now look, after they hung 66 on Missouri, uh, that's daggum impressive on offense. Yeah, yeah incredible. I mean, so, that yeah. that's that that reminds me of that. Uh, you know, people kind of compared them to 2019 LSU, and I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's you know, I've always been kind of wait and see, but yeah, man, that was that was impressive. Uh, but their defense to me has been just as impressive. I mean, those guys they said they fly around the football, they're they play, they're having a blast, they're quick up front, they got an older secondary. They didn't – it's a little bit suspect. But, um, you know, I, I look at it, and it, you know, they're good at stopping the run. So this is not going to be a football game where you can just line up and run it. Like, that's the only time this offense has ever worked. So if you're depending on having some sort of passing game against these guys, I don't know. I, I just I, – I, I mean, I, we've nev- we have never seen this before. Uh, the only bombs away game was Arkansas, and 
Arkansas only had three in the box and they kept throwing it. Kept throwing it. Yep. But not very much success and, and waited too long to do so. You know, it's oh. another exploitable secondary that we ha- we can have zero faith yeah. going into it that that's what we're going to be. And, and, and Tennessee's front, I think, is good. It, uh, it is pretty active. I think the Gamecocks offensive line will have to play a lot better than it has uh, to slow them from putting pressure on Rattler. Uh, also, you know, there's that whole thing of slow developing plays <laughs> yeah. that has to happen. Yeah. Mm. All right. No Josh yet, huh? Nope. Nope. I've, no. Hit up the eye, Josh, a couple times, hoping uh, he's. Ah. Uh, yep. I just haven't heard anything back yet. Right. Oh, but I did get confirmation that we can. Uh, we're going to talk to John Whittle tomorrow about some hoops. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. John Whittle about basketball. Yeah. Tomorrow the Gamecocks are in action in Charleston against Colorado State. Nico Medved, all that. Um, Adam says beat Clemson is more likely, but won't happen. I'm going to talk about that game next week. Uh, I don't foresee a victory there because I think Clemson will show up big and like they always do and play great defense. And, you know, again, the weaknesses on this defense, can you stop the run? And Will Shipley, you know, is a lot of their offense. So, um, you know, but I do think it's a better matchup. And I I think it's a better matchup than Tennessee. But, you know, uh, for 99.9% of the teams in the country, Clemson's a better matchup than Tennessee right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sean says, uh, so Pruitt asked how many touchdowns will Hyatt score? You know, sometimes when you go into a game, Pruitt, and uh, and I'm sure he's going in wanting to score about three or four or five, and his whole family wants him to, too. But sometimes when you go in a game and you're concentrating on things like revenge or putting on a show, it doesn't happen for you. Now, mm-hmm. Am I saying the Gamecocks are going to shut down Jalen Hyatt? Of course not. I'm not ridiculous. But I, I, I do think this. I, I do think, you know, sometimes when teams go in and they want to blow a team out or they want to do this or that, anything but focusing on doing your job and doing the things you have to do to win the game, uh, weird things tend to happen. So I wouldn't just say Hyatt's going to score five. Now, if any uh, team that comes in with a focus of, Let's let Jalen Hyatt score five touchdowns. Um, if anybody can do it, it's Tennessee. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, it's like a video game out there. Uh, J-Rock says, at this point, I'd rather beat Clemson. It ends the streak, ends the regular season on a win. And bragging rights, it gives Beamer a marquee win. Well, Clemson's obviously extremely important for the University of South Carolina. I mean, Tennessee is too. You know, I kind of always have thought, Phil, uh, Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, you know, those are the teams. Uh, when you play North Carolina, that's important. When you play NC State, it's a little bit important. Florida's obviously important because they're division. Uh, Missouri is now gaining in importance, which yeah. is baffling. But it would be um, sweet to be another year where you beat the Tigers and, you know, they win their conference. That has saved many a seasons, <laughs> right? That has saved many a seasons. Like mm-hmm. – uh, 09 comes to mind. Carolina yeah. six and five. They beat Clemson. Yay, yay, yay. Uh, shoot, the Brad Scott's first team beat Clemson 33 to seven and went to the Carquest Bowl. I mean, uh, that has saved many seasons. I just don't know if the Gamecocks have it in them by the time they get up there. Um, Joey says, What's up, guys? Can we be a whole fourth quarter team instead of say, Let's just get, get to the fourth quarter? <laughs> Go play ball every snap. Yeah, I'm going to say what what Beamer probably meant by that was if you're down, you know, that big early, 
try to just get it to the fourth quarter. Don't don't try to eat the elephant all at once. But that never happens. <laughs> mm. uh, I think, okay, so Carolina's gotten down twice and come back under Beamer. Once was against Auburn. Uh, and the game crash won. Once, and then Arkansas, but then once they got to a point where they could get on the field and take the lead, you know, the, the offense went three and out. And, you know, same old, same old stuff. Uh, but, you know, hey, I'll say this about Clemson, getting back to that. How did and Notre Dame, by the way, has a better offensive line than South Carolina. I'm not disputing that. But how did they beat Clemson? They lined up and ran all over them. If Marshawn Lloyd's back, he is actually capable of having a good game against that defense. Now, is it likely? No. No. But, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game next week. So, um, Sean says, God bless Don Staley and the ladies. Beat Clemson, beat Stanford. Tennessee's going to score as many points as they want to score this week. Put up 66 versus Mizzou. Could easily see 70-plus. Well, you know, that's, you got to hope that doesn't happen. But, hey, it could. You're, you're absolutely right. But, RB, I've noticed that you're sort of down um, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Taylor for OC. This was funny. Uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> what the heck was a, a UCLA parody account or UCLA account doing even tweeting about South Carolina? I thought that was <laughs> I almost thought it was Bob Jones trolling us because they're the Bruins as well. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> the Bob Jones Bruins? Yeah, they, I they thought they were like the Quakers or something. No, they they actually they they decided on a mascot a few years back, and it was the Bruins. <laughs> I love Bob Jones. I know <laughs> Bob J- BJU. Uh, <laughs> Uh, J-Rock says, I hope this team gives a thousand percent for this final home game, leaves nothing on the field and says our seniors out in the style. We can't lose clear eyes, full heart. Can't lose. <laughs> I imagine the team's going to give it their every last bit of effort, but let's just, you know, let's hope it, if we do win, it'll be another one of those wins in spite of ourselves. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. Tennessee's going to have to help. I mean, now, now I'll say this. Tennessee will have to have a complete meltdown on special teams and defense, I think. And then their offense will just have to make some mistakes, which they don't. Look, hitting Hooker, the thing I love about this guy, as great as uh, Joel Burrow was for the the Tigers. Remember Joel Burrow, Phil? Joel Burrow. Quiet, Ed. As good as he was, as far as accurately passing deep, Right, because Burrow had a lot of women. Hooker is like amazingly accurate. Right. Like I'm surprised that first of all, Justin Fuente deserved to be fired for letting him leave Virginia Tech or, or giving the job to somebody else. Um, then again, Josh Heupel, Hooker didn't win the starting job initially. Now maybe he was hurt. I don't know. Uh, Joe Milton got it. Joe Milton's got a cannon for an arm, though. By the way, I don't know if he's as accurate as Hooker, but he's got a freaking howitzer. Yeah, he was throwing um, touchdowns against Missouri, too. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> Missouri was just like, hey, a dog, I'm out. I'm out, dog. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, that's it. Um, so, so Hooker's really, really accurate. And, and I think that's uh, part of what, um, what, it, what makes him special and unique and why they're having uh, such a unique year. 
uh, on on offense up at Tennessee. Their backs are good too. Hooker can run too. Their O line's old. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of older guys. You know that that I, th- I think they're happy because they're kind of in a system now that's not like a rock throwing contest like they had under Pruitt. Which <laughs> um, you know we'll see. Doc says if we face Will Shipley, he'll average ten yards a carry. A likely scenario. <laughs> Yeah, uh, unless we can shore that up in two weeks. Yeah, he's going to run all over us. <laughs> Lex says, please not Birmingham. My buddy Smith comes in and says, Papa John's Bowl against UConn was arguably the worst game I've ever attended. I wasn't there, but it was a horrible game. That yeah. may be another offensive game relative to competition that wasn't – I don't think it was quite as ugly as that Florida game. Because, because essentially South Carolina got shut out. And, and, and here's a stat for you guys. Marcus Satterfield's offense at South Carolina, uh, if you just look at, like, meaningful touchdowns, like I'm not talking about garbage touchdowns, right? Meaningful touchdowns. I'm taking away the two touchdown drives against A&M last year because they had five yards in the third quarter. I'm taking away uh, the touchdown against Georgia this season, which was meaningless, right? Um, They did get shut out by Clemson. The offense did get shut out by Florida. So there's been 17 games against Power 5 opponents. You've been shut out four times. That's 23.5% of the times. You're getting shut out? I mean, you're getting, for all intents and purposes, I know the stats, you got some garbage touchdowns in there, you got special, but you're getting shut out? Yeah. Um, uh-oh, Cam, you may set me off here, buddy. If Shane Beaver did not have the last day Beaver, would he have gotten the job? Possibly. Or even the opportunity of a Spurrier. Uh, that's a definite. Um, Shane didn't sit there and work with his dad and say, Dad, call Steve Spurrier for me. And, you know, Spurrier's like, oh, shoot, I like Frank Beamer. Hire Shane Beamer, you know. <laughs> he went and worked as a, worked for Georgia Tech under O'Leary, worked for Tennessee under former, went with Croom to Mississippi State of all places, <laughs> and then got the job with Spurrier based on the job he did with Croom in Mississippi State. So, yeah, I, I I soundly reject just because I know, uh, I know a lot of guys that have lived on their daddy's last name in this mm-hmm. in this business, and Shane's not one of them. Not even not even close. Now, uh, in your mind, right? You know, in anybody's mind, could you sit there and go, well, if he wasn't Shane Beamer, would uh, Ray have interviewed him at Oklahoma? Had his path been the same, like as the recruiting coordinator at Carolina, an associate head coach, and at a school like Oklahoma? You know, I, I think, you know, he probably would have still been in the mix for the job and probably would have gotten it. Um, I, I, I just – I don't think that uh, his dad's last name has anything to do with anything. I think Beamer uh, is off to a promising start as the head coach at Carolina. I think he's got one – mistake he made that's huge he's got to fix and maybe some other corrections with his staff but uh you know i think it's uh you know it's got what experience qualified him to be a head coach in the sec um well what experience qualified you know anybody i mean there's a lot of guys that are assistant coaches at programs that win the good jobs in the sec sam Pittman's one of them kirby smart's one of them um, unless you buy into the complete lie that's a pile of BS that you have to be an offensive or defensive coordinator uh, to um, to be a successful head coach. How'd that I, work out for us last time? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, look, check this out, too. I mean, in the college football playoff era, um, 
how many times has a guy that has was never a coordinator won the championship? Uh, you know, and, and and count out the number of non-Alabama national championships. Uh, and that'd be two guys named Urban Meyer and Dabo Sweeney and another guy named Ed Orgeron. None of those guys were coordinators. So there's absolutely nothing, not a thing that says you have to be an offensive or defensive coordinator to be a good head coach. What you do have to do is make good coordinator hires and good staff hires. And look, nobody bats a thousand. I said this today, Kirby Smart's on coordinator number three on offense at Georgia. Only been there since 2016. Now, Jim Chaney was good. I don't think anybody would uh, argue that. James Coley was not. Todd Monken is elite. So, um, I, 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 Cam, I just the, the, the experience thing sucks to me because inexperienced guys that aren't qualified for the job don't come in and do the good he's done, right? Now, I, I recognize the criticism about Satterfield. That was a big mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Big mistake. But uh, this this crap that continues on about let's go after the head coach and it's a bad hire and all that, that's bull crap. That's not true. I mean, it, it's, some people want to fire him. The only programs that fire guys uh, in the SEC after two years either have like off-the-field problems like Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, and he absolutely was not uh, a fit there. Um, neither was Brian Harson at, at Auburn, but he's getting his tail kicked. Uh, and Chad Morris at Arkansas was a complete freaking disaster. So there you go. There's your big successful head coach and successful coordinator, Chad Morris. I'd rather have Shane Beamer. Yeah, uh, as, 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 as bad as the offense has been uh, these last two years, they've still won in spite of it. There's a lot of good things happening in the program, and he didn't lose at home to San Jose State, and he didn't lose at home to Western Kentucky by 26 points. No. But with a quarterback that transferred out, you know, that's, you know, and, and, and uh, he's also well-liked, unlike Harson, who, you know, survived a, survived one palace coup at Auburn uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, decided he was going to just play the most boring brand of football known to man, and he ended up getting fired at Auburn. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, th- that's just a pathetic, uh, lazy take when it comes to, he needed all this coordinator experience. If he gets fired next year, it will not be because his last name was Beamer and he didn't deserve the job. It won't be because he wasn't an offensive or defensive coordinator. It'll be because he failed to make the decisions as the head coach at South Carolina and win enough games to keep his job. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's on the hot seat next year. I'm just saying hypothetically, all this crap, this verbal vomit that keeps coming out about him uh, is a little bit over the top. Because if all this kind of snowballs because you're so mad at the offensive coordinator, oh, my God, I'm so mad, and I want to go now, 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 Mom, now. You're so mad about that that if this bubbles up, like some somebody on the board today, on our message board, good guy, good poster, listens to our show, all that, was just trying to be funny. He's like, let's make signs saying fire sat for SEC Nation or whatever, but we'll put them up all over the stadium. I'm like, great. You want to show that kind of dysfunction in your fan base with – you know, these guys from like the 2024 class that are looking, they think it's pretty cool that there's a sellout crowd and there's lights and they get to see one of the top five teams in the country, Kirk Herb Street, and those guys are there and SEC Nation's there. And you want to poison that type of atmosphere because the kids don't care if you win or lose. They're looking at an atmosphere, a place they can go play. They all think they're going to make it better. Okay. 
that's where fans don't understand recruits or players. You know, you don't understand their mindset at all. You know, so let's make signs and, and trash Satterfield, which is good, a problem that is going to be solved soon, right? I think everybody kind of, if it's not, I'll be right there with you making signs. But let's just poison the water right now because we're mad and we want it now. Um, and, and then let's just throw every piece of crap criticism of the hire that came up two years ago uh, that, that in the face of all that, he succeeded against. And let's just be irrational and want to fire people. Come on, man. Yeah. Y'all are better than that. Y'all are better than that. Uh, 76 let's is a, grab a break, Jason. Yeah, we should have. Okay. Yeah, that's run a little long. And uh, I think there was a, a time zone issue with uh, with Josh because, you know, he's in Nashville and I'm not. So <laughs> he's going to, he, I just, I just got in touch. He's got the link for all of his 11 o'clock is our noon. No, it's your 11 o'clock. Okay. But it's so we'll noon. get, we'll get yeah. noon and we, we move Bradford around too. So that'll be, yeah, good. I'm, I'm texting Jamie now. <laughs> awesome. All right. We, we will get a break. I, I, and look, Cam, I wasn't coming after you. I'm, I'm coming after your message there. I appreciate you uh, getting on the, the chat box and all that. You're a good dude. But, um, you know, I got, uh, you know, I've got my thoughts on it. All right, we'll be back after these messages inside the Gamecocks' show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks.
Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, with J.C. Sherbert and Phil Mullinax. The first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call for all your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And, yep, just scheduling update. We will have Josh Pate at noon as opposed to 11, and Jamie Bradford just uh I got him rearranged to twelve thirty. So big, big back end of the show today, Jason. Big back end, <laughs> big back end. A badunk a dunk of a show. That's right. Uh, we got LA face with an Oakland booty here today. <laughs> a dump truck, actually. Um, Cam says uh, continue. All right, Adam asked me if I'm wearing a Wisconsin hoodie. I am. Uh, I actually got uh, a good friend of mine's dad has uh, pancreatic cancer, and uh, he's from Wisconsin, and. Uh, it was actually the, the day of the Ole Miss game, the Muschamp's last game, the 59-42 shootout, right? Whew. Hard to believe there was a shootout, right, <laughs> around here. Um, well, one of these were competitive, man. Yeah, it was competitive. <laughs> hey, Carolina could have won that game. I thought, I thought Carolina played pretty well on offense that night. Ole Miss had no defense. But um, – so, so if you, it's about two and a half hours from here. So, fiance and I got in a car, and we drove up. We drove through Madison, um, which is an awesome campus. It would be like if South, if the University of South Carolina, because it's in the state capital, uh, it, like if you took Lake Murray, smaller than Lake Murray, but uh, if you took a big lake, you know, and you shoved it toward downtown, like if there was no Lexington, there was just a lake, mm-hmm. uh, and then the, the whole city and campus sits back up on a hill, Camp Randall Stadium is actually like um, an old – it is what it is. It was Camp Randall. It was an Army uh, facility, I think, military, some military facility. Um, and so I bought it then. It's cold. I wore it. Um, and then I got, Sean asked me, JC, with the socks hat, giving up on the Bravos. Absolutely not, sir. <laughs> um, I could have an American League team, right? Uh, fiance is a Southsider, so she's a big Sox fan. And – uh, as disappointing as the Braves were this year in the playoffs, nothing, nothing is more disappointing than what the White Sox did with Tony freaking Larissa and all that talent this year. Um, and it's also really fun to go to the games. Mm-hmm. We took a party bus to one of the games. Phil knows. Uh, oh, yeah. You probably, you guys probably saw me struggle the next day. 
with the show. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I keep up with the White Sox. But I'm I'm a Bravo. I was I grew up a Braves fan. I'll always be a Braves fan. Uh, was elated when they won the World Series last year. So Cam goes on. She's right. I understand all that. But after watching the Missouri and Florida games, I realized we don't have anyone, including a head coach, that can make an in-game adjustment to help us win. I don't think that's true. Uh, I think on offense, you probably have a point. Um, I don't know how much Sat listens to the other coaches or they're trying to uh, adjust or anything. You're right. There's very, very little in terms of adjusting. Um, I mean, I think there's better execution like in the second half against Kentucky. Uh, but but no, I, I, I'm with you there. The defense adjusts just about every game. Um now, the bad starts are a concern, but they adjust. They adjusted against Florida. You just can't have an offense that turns it over three straight times like that uh, and and put your defense in a terrible position. And the defense, even at that, still played pretty, you know, better, pretty much better uh, in the second half. So Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would give them a, a good performance under the circumstances coming out of that halftime. Yeah. And, and if you talk about adjustments too, I mean, Beamer telling Sat, get the ball to your playmaker second half. That could be considered an adjustment. I know last year he was like, second half, give it to Zaquandre White and see what happens. And White did some good things. So I don't know if you call that an adjustment or not, but uh, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, look, Dabo Sweeney doesn't make adjustments. Uh, Ed Orgeron doesn't make adjustments uh, or didn't make adjustments. Uh you know, I don't think that's, you know, necessarily the ticket to being a good head coach. Um, so it's really pretty picture outside with the snow and all that right now. Um, so uh, now do I think there needs to be the ability to make adjustments on offense? Absolutely. That's why you got to go hire a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, I, that's the bottom line because I don't see it. So I'm with you, Cam, on that part of it. But uh, obviously the special teams makes adjustments all the time. Constantly. Yeah. So, uh, Doc the says. Unit on the team. <laughs> Doc goes, Sat has gone. The board of trustees would never approve a new contract or extension. Let's focus on the program's trajectory. Absolutely, they wouldn't, mm. but you would you would hope it wouldn't come to that. You know, probably wouldn't come to that. Um, Adams, it's difficult to stay positive. I agree. Sean says, who's calling the bowl game? Could Pete do it? That would be intriguing. I think so. Uh, I think that would be an option. I think Steph would probably be an option. I don't, I don't know who else would be an option, a GA or somebody. Uh, but with the bowl game, see, and people are like, well, if, if, if that's not going to – and I don't think under any circumstances, if you want to win the bowl game, you need to keep going like you're going. Um, I can't rule that completely out, but I doubt I, – I can't see it. I can't and – and I can't see him sitting tight and then making changes after the bowl either because they're, they're – it's portal time. It's recruiting time. You need some answers to tell people, yeah, right? Yeah, quickly. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, I, I think limbo would be very yeah. intriguing. Uh, I think that uh, with the way he can kind of diagnose uh, special teams, coverage block units and find weaknesses, uh, he has called plays before, be it it's a long time ago. Um, and he would have time to get in the 
Book of One Million plays. Yes, he could pick out his plays from the Book of One Million plays. Come, Mr. Biggles. I love how he talks in these, you know, press conferences and stuff. Ah, he's like, no, we look to see how they line up. I'm like, look at that. He's right there at field level, uh, yeah. watching what's going on and adjusting accordingly. I mean, you know, well, one of the first things I ever heard about Spurrier was, you know, he's sitting there watching film with Blake Mitchell or something. I said, well, Blake, you see, see when their defense shifts like that, that's a touchdown. We call this. Um, I don't know, believe it or not. I, I always thought that's kind of how all offensive coordinators did it. And, and the good ones do, I think. They, so they look and they're like, who sucks? Who's your weakness? Who's your terrible? Who, who's terrible on your defense? Uh, who can't run? In. Yeah. <laughs> who are the good matchups? So let's do it. And, and, and I've, I've kind of had a suspicion that South Carolina doesn't, you know, because you, you just from the media stuff, you don't ever hear them talk about well. I mean, not that they're going to sit there and say, yeah, we're going to pick on corner number 22. But then you never see it or hear about it in the games. I mean, one, there's not been one time in 23 games you've gone, uh, South Carolina's just, you know, picking on number 20 right there. You know, he's, yeah. he, they're going after him. You never hear that. Well, I mean, a mismatch on the linebacker, you know, or something like that in the passing game. Yeah, you just don't never it. see it at all. I mean, yeah. one of the greatest moments – uh, in the championship game last year, I thought, think for Todd Barkin of Georgia, and I've said this before, poor Alabama, not only did they have their receivers hurt, one of their corners got hurt, and they put in a guy that Juco transfer guy that didn't play a lot. And let's just say he's not that good, okay? And he goes in, and earlier in the game, he had been in and looked bad. And, uh, so the, so t- the, tide, the, the, the tide loses another corner. This guy comes in the game immediately, mocking dials up a nine route, boom, touchdown. That's good offensive play calling. Yeah. That's making adjustments. That's finding weakness. I don't think any of that's happening. And then when Shane Beamer said the other day about we don't do a lot of scout team, I'm like, well, well, that could, that could explain why your defense starts terrible, and that could explain why your offense doesn't make adjustments. So your defense uh, but, is going to get winded in the first quarter. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> but. Uh, you know, Limbo would be a guy there uh, to, to do it. And Taylor has a shout-out for Josh. I'm sorry about that. Uh, uh, but I get with that. I almost scheduled a daughter's appointment today, Phil. Um, they're like, how about 1030? I'm like, yeah, I don't have to be on until 11. But I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like, that's uh, 10 30 our time i know yeah and there's a couple of guys we deal with like keith is one we got that worked out early though but yeah <laughs> it's an hour John, difference john's from the sunny pack northwest glad it's sunny there it's beautiful when it's sunny there uh it's tighter mediocrity it's draining one thing i was hoping for this year is eliminating the blowouts and being more competitive fail yeah i kind of had a tolerant the tolerance for one against georgia that was sad yeah. But I'm like, well, it's game three. As long as they correct it, Georgia's really good. Uh, look, Saturday was just unacceptable. You're, there's no there's no planet where that performance, particularly on offense. Because, look, guys, we can sit there and go, well, the defense was just as bad. Some people have pointed that out on Twitter. Like, well, how do you want to fire the offensive coordinator where the defense gives up 377 rushing yards? Well, hey, guess what? It's easier for them to do that when it's when their offense is going three and out and they're on the field half the time, you know? And then you put them in a terrible position in the second half over and over and over again. You know, uh, it, it's tough. 
It's tough. And, and the, the other thing that sucks about it is the Gamecocks are pretty good at flipping the field, punting. Kai Kruger is really good punting the ball. I mean, they're, they're good at field position. But, man, when, you, when you're out there uh, and, and over and over, it's the same crap. And you, you're, you're scratching. I mean, players aren't stupid. They're sitting there going, what the offense doing, you know, um, and all that good stuff. So that's the deal there. Uh, I'm Chunk Chunk says, if Lloyd comes back, do you think Bell goes back to fewer snaps? I think he'll be the number two running back, maybe. But look, man, I, me and Phil are smart people, and y'all are all smart. But none of us can figure out the evil plan of personnel. Right, that's right. We're not as smart as he is. Number two, tell him about our personnel plan. <laughs> our personnel packages. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tristan asked, why can't we run all of our plays about three steps, run the basic concepts, run them with tempo, maybe let Rattler call them. <laughs> Defense can't diagnose that way. I think right now Spencer Rattler would struggle doing that. Uh, here's what the shame of all this year is, because personnel-wise, I've said this before, South Carolina's blessed with versatile guys. You could, man, you could run all kinds, 12 personnel, 21, 22, whatever, uh, and play the same guys and snap the ball quick and never huddle. And the other, the, the opposing defense cut the sub. Oh, and then you find what's called matchups. 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 Uh, you know, so, so in other words, if, if they don't have an extra DB on the field, you spread it. You get Jaheim on the linebacker or Juju on a linebacker or heck Lloyd because they've split him out wide before. Uh, they're, they're, you know, when you talk about, I don't even know that that's creative. I, I think that's in a lot of ways football one hundred and one. Yeah, it's basics. Yeah, it's basics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Georgia slept walk through the Missouri game. The only real offense Mizzou faced before UT was K State. The Mizzou D is overrated. I don't know that I agree with that. I think they got boat raced by a mm-hmm. great offense. Um, you know, because they've held some other teams down. Uh, yeah, DCs would hate having to match up against Bell, Juice, Stog, and Lloyd all at the same time. True. Yeah, you'd you'd think that'd be part of it. John <laughs> says confidence one hundred percent gone at this point. It's easy to understand why. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to have faith when you know there's a great you know a, 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 when you go to Vandy and you're, you're starting to do some things that are kind of fun and the kids like it and it looks like a college offense and the next week it's all back between the hashes, pretending like da 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 da. Yeah, the first play from scrimmage for the offense, you're just like, oh, look, we're running it up the middle again. RB <laughs> Even says before they snap the ball. <laughs> Cabell, no doubt, man. And look, there's no room for that cat to run. Heck, what yards he got, he got on his own. You can tell he's a great player. It's almost like there's trying to be a point proven here. And I, I don't I don't know what that point would be. Uh, because all it's going to prove is that you're a loser and need to be fired, you know? And I'm not saying there is. I think it's more incompetence than any kind of vendetta, but you kind of wonder. Yeah. Um, uh, Blake says, I have one of the better Coach O impressions I've heard. Yeah, I I know a guy that knows Coach O, and I sent him a voice message this weekend about Coach O, Coach o in the summer. Uh, hello, this is Coach O in the summer. Uh, I got my $17 million. Uh, what door do I need to go out of? What time do you want me to leave? I'm going to Destin, Florida with a girl, with my girlfriend. I'm going to surf. I'm going to eat some surf and turf and some average jambalaya. 
<laughs> I love it. I love Emerson. Yeah. Air Tang Erie says it's Beamer Ball, not Beamer Bash. Agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joey says, Touchdown Marshawn Lloyd. Merry Thanksgiving Eve weeknight day. <laughs> Cam says, This is why I like your show, JC. Thank you. And this is why we like you, Cam. You're the man. Yeah, man. Um, JC, he literally let a South Carolina high school coaching legend and also let Step walk over Sat. That's pretty bad. Um, he didn't let Step walk. Kimry was going, and he was not fired. He was not asked to look around. It just made his decision easier. Uh, and I've talked to Eric. Loves his job. He's in a happier place. Eric Kimry's type of guy too, man. It's very important to him to have like that that calm, you know, life balance and and stuff, um, and, and to love what he's doing. He's a very passionate guy. Uh, I get along with Kimry really well. Uh, I will say this: Kimry was never a source of mine about Marcus Satterfield. He would not talk about it, I, and I never really tried to get him to. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that think, you know, Kimry was going around throwing throwing Sat under the bus, and all of a sudden he, he wasn't. Eric Kimry never talked to me about it until afterward, but I, it did make it easier that the offense was a dumpster fire. Um, RB says it's a funny sign, any worse than getting beat seventy to nothing. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that. The plan would be get the kids out there, the recruits out there, right? Uh, pre-game, lights, rock concert. There'll be a lot of fans in the stands. You know, blah, 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 Williams Bryce. And then, hey, let's go eat a buffet dinner <laughs> and get over it. We got to get a break. We're going to have Josh Payton after these messages inside the Game Gamecocks show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 
Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show family vacations a new car a new boat all cost money yep. but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now i help consulting can help you finally get the kids to disney world upgrade the minivan or drop that new boat in the water next summer let daniel and i help consulting consult with you no fees just save it hello you welcome back inside the game savings save on essential services credit card fees you name it let them find it these folks are incredible. I help right. How can I help? Welcome back to Inside the Game Guys Show. <laughs> just, just let's, let's just roll with it. Uh, Inside the Game Guys Show, JC Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here. Glad to be joined by uh, the great one. I'm just going to call him that these days because he's uh, obviously uh, got a lot of popularity. Glad to have him in. Josh Pate from 24 7 Sports Late Kick Live. Please go. If you have not already subscribed to his YouTube pages, watch his show, get involved. He's the, the the best thing going right now. All right, Josh, you've seen Tennessee in person, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, a couple of times, yeah. Uh, all right, so this offense, just uh, lay it on us. Tell us what to expect Saturday night. Pain. Well, that was my first word. Okay, so um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to go with. Hold on, let me let me dig in my bag over here. Look. The words I'm looking at in my bag, I don't really think you want me to say on air, Sherbert. So here's what we want to do. We want to we want to try hard Saturday, and we want to get some young guys, some reps, and we we want to take notes, you know, because I if I'm a Gamecock fan, I would love in an ideal world to, uh, how should I put this, be searching for my own new offense come season's end. And so there's a really, really good clue as to which direction you should go by what you'll see on the field Saturday night. You know, I've, I've always kind of been intrigued by the Browse offense. I, I think Josh Heupel, I was wrong about him, um, you know, and, and there's a reason. I think he's evolved a bit if you, if you read yep. some of the articles in The Athletic and things like that. Uh, much more Browse-esque than maybe he was at Missouri or uh, especially back at Oklahoma. I've always been intrigued by this offense, and if you look, three of the better offenses in the league are at Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Tennessee, and they all kind of run some sort of variation of it. This thing, though, is wild. Um, you know, so your general thoughts on the system and and, and why it's working and, and all that good stuff uh, as it relates to, you know, Tennessee or maybe some other program that perhaps could get a new offensive coordinator at some point. Yeah, so I would I would apply it to a lot of programs. So think about what you just said. Let's break down what you just said. When when Heupel got hired from Central Florida, people who had their ear to the ground in the coaching industry knew at the time he wasn't even the most well-liked guy at Central Florida. They were talking about like one more year. If he doesn't produce next year, he may be in the hot seat down here. 
Then all of a sudden he gets hired at Tennessee. So anybody who says they doubted him and doubted the hire, that's not dumb, man. I'm in that same boat. Like I looked at it and I said, that's the direction they chose. Okay, maybe they know something I don't. Well, it turns out they do. And they brought his AD right before they brought him. So it makes logical sense. But anyway, the year one to year two thing, and really they overachieved last year if we think about it. But year two, they've kind of flashed on the national scene. Here's what it screams to me especially when we got what's going on over in College Station, which is like the antithesis of Tennessee. What it screams to me is, yeah, you got the right guy, but you got the right system. And that's a system that is able to tailor itself and and morph itself around the pieces you have. Instead of sitting there and being so rigid and saying, it's not going to work until we get the right pieces. He's come in there. Think about this now. Who nationally was talking about Hendon Hooker when he was at Virginia Tech? If you're a diehard fan, you knew his name. If you bet college football, you knew his name. But you you would have never in your right mind, you would have tested me for all kinds of drugs if I told you Hendon Hooker, Heisman conversation one day before his career is over. And then also, look at some of the talent they're playing with this year. This is largely a Jeremy Pruitt roster still. They didn't hit the portal hard. Like everyone's talking about Georgia not going into the portal. Neither did Tennessee. They had guys exit. They didn't bring a ton of guys in. So if you're looking at South Carolina right now and you're asking yourself, hmm, what kind of offense should we run here? It's not as simple as just let's go find our Josh Heupel or let's go find our Kendall Browse. I grant you that. But there are plenty of qualified candidates out there who I think would jump at the chance and who know that offense and who could come in and probably surprise you with what they're able to squeeze out of the talent you already have on campus. And then even last cycle, uh, Shane Beamer and his staff showed us they're not shy about going into the portal. They can succeed. They can hit when they go into the portal. Then once you hit with the personnel, it's up to you to maximize the potential of that personnel. So they did A. Now hopefully they can do A and B. I'm looking at Tennessee's defense too, Josh. And, and to me, I mean, I, it's hard to say. that I, I'm not more impressed with their defense than their offense. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, it seems like they just play aggressive, sell out to stop the run. If they give up a big play, they don't care. You know, I, just giving the ball back to our offense, it doesn't matter. But it's a, it's a really spirited bunch. And, you know, they didn't really go get a big-name D coordinator. They, I think they had an assistant for Penn State. I think he's done a good job. You look at the LSU game, uh, LSU went nowhere on those guys. Um, Kentucky went nowhere on those guys. Uh, they stopped Alabama enough. I thought they played okay at Georgia. Um, what can you say about that side of the ball? Because, obviously, the Gamecocks have uh, – <laughs> a bad situation on offense. Uh, and that's what, what a big concern here is that I, I just don't see how, especially establishing the run, even if Marshawn Lloyd plays, I don't see how you're going to do that because they're just so good at, at stopping, you know, basic stuff. Yeah. Unless you, unless you have a plus three or four turnover day in your card somewhere and I don't see it, then yeah, you're probably right about that. Um, the best way I can describe their defense is, and it's the same way with their whole team. It's a very complimentary team. The way they play defense is very complimentary to what they know they have on the other side. And I know people got tired of the LSU 2019 comparison, as did I. That's why I stopped making it. Because it's not a team that is apples to apples equal in terms of Jimmy's and Joe's with what 2019 LSU had. But I think what that 2019 LSU team started to do is as they found their offensive groove, it's no coincidence that their defensive numbers improved because defensively, Dave Aranda understood, okay, I got what I got personnel-wise, but if they're going to score me 45 a game, 
I don't have to be this impenetrable fortress of a unit. I can afford to take chances. I can afford to teach my guys to jump routes. I can afford to be more aggressive because I know seven points, 10 points, 14 points, it's not the end of the world if we give it up. And so if anything, what you appreciated about that unit and what I appreciate about Tennessee is what they lack in just overall impenetrability, which is the first time I hope that's ever been said on the show, what they lack in that, they make up for in just overall aggression. At least play with one. The worst thing to do is play with neither. At least play with one of those. Go Tigers. All yes. right. All right, Phil. <laughs> Ask Josh a question. Yeah, Josh, I know uh, you mentioned the portal earlier, and I, I you know, kind of like yourself, I think when it opens up this year, it's going to be like the final bell <laughs> heading into summer break, right, <laughs> just across the nation. And South Carolina, you know, admittedly has, has kind of won in the portal here these past few years, and now we're on the precipice of actually looking at possibly losing in the portal this year, um, unless I think Beamer makes some changes and i don't know in your opinion josh do you think that there's you know where we've seen the coaching carousel in the sec in the past couple of years are we looking at a uh, you know a coordinator carousel potentially this year to kind of save and stem some of that here as we move through the conference and in the into what the off season <laughs> yeah well that's the that's the thought so here, i don't like the entire conversation not the question i don't i don't like the conversation um because right. here's mm -hmm. Here's what people think right now. So there, there's a lot of worst case and worst fear scenario out there. And here's the worst fear. The worst fear is that the transfer portal will always be chaos. And what the hiring cycle will turn into is a whole bunch of, hey, me, a defensive line coach, I'm available. And if you take me, here's the seven kids I can guarantee you I'm bringing with me. Mm -hmm. there's, no way, there's no way to have a grip on that. There's no way – think about from a head coaching perspective trying to manage your numbers as is, and then you don't know which one of your coaches is talking to someone else, and you don't know which relationships he's forged that he can uproot and take with him. So it's just utter chaos. Uh, I, I talked on the show last night, and I think the conferences are going to arrive at this. They're, they're probably going to have to learn the lesson the hard way. So I think a couple of cycles more of this is going to have to happen, and then they're going to realize – Okay, we can't call them employees because everyone understands the game here. But what we do have to do is have some employment structure. We've got to contractually get something, even if we can't call it a contract. And the only way, as I see it, that you can accomplish that is if you look at these big multi-billion dollar media revenue deals that they are signing or in the process of signing. Everyone's signing one, even the Pac-12 and Big 12 you got to enter into some kind of media revenue sharing distribution with your players. Because right now, either NIL or the coaching carousel, like I just talked about, is enough to uproot three quarters of your roster. Ten or fifteen or $20,000 is enough to uproot most of your roster. If you distribute your media rights fairly enough, I don't think $15,000 or $20,000 is swaying kids quite like it would right now because I think they would be making more than that. And in exchange... I don't think most of your, not your Bryce Youngs, not your CJ Strouds, but I don't think most of your kids out there would mind signing a letter of intent that locks them in two years minimum, whatever the case may be, if they understand on the front end the dollar figure they're getting. Now, that is a big ask of conferences, but really it's not when you understand what the alternative is. Because the alternative is just total chaos and disaster every December and January. Like no one wants to be spending Christmas checking their phone and knowing that, wow, as I sat here at the Christmas tree, I just lost three kids. No one wants that. Josh, uh, I've always known you're brilliant. Um, I said the exact same thing over the summer. 
locked locked them in. And, and, you know, media rights, media deals, that is name, image, and likeness. Yes, it is. And a lot of name, image, and likeness deals, like if you go and pitch to like uh, Academy Sports, right? Dick's isn't allowed to, you know, advertise on your show, correct? Mm -hmm. It's exclusive. A lot of those are exclusive. So your exclusivity can be to one university for a period of two years for a certain amount of money as a name, image, and likeness deal, which is already legal, in my opinion. Um, And I'm right there with you. All right, real quick, we'll wrap up with you. Uh, Is Lane Kiffin going to Auburn? (laughs) I think all our people, we're very intrigued by that. I think he... I think he is. If I had to lean away, I would. I think he is. I certainly know that if the offer is there, let me put it this way, if the opportunity is there, I think he's taking it. Now, that's easy to know because enough people around Lane Kiffin are willing to tell you that, and he doesn't even shoot it down. So, I mean, that's not a great <laughs> What we do not know, and I'm going I'm to wag the bottle at you. This is like one step above the wag of the finger. The bottle wag, Sherbert, says – I don't know how many people around Auburn are talking. And as we've learned many times in coaching circles and in coaching searches, rather, there's information to be had. It's possible that you could have legitimate information, but also one sided information because you got I mean, you got two sides. You got the university and then you got the candidate. And what if the candidate's talking? But really, there are four candidates and candidate three is the only one whose camp is talking and no one on the university side is talking. Well, you could be led to believe this dude's a slam dunk, but it's just because he's the only one who's talking and he doesn't even know there are two guys ahead of him because they've kept their mouth shut. Think Brian Kelly, LSU. No one knew that was in the cards. No one on the LSU side because no one at LSU was talking. So what we also have learned in the past, and I'm saying this freely admitting, I think Kiffin is probably the guy for Auburn, but what we've also learned in the past is sometimes rumors are allowed to persist because they serve as a perfect smokescreen for ADs to operate behind and then hire the dude they really want. Or on the other side, the candidate's agent may be letting the smokescreen linger because it helps him leverage against his current employer. So even though I think it's probably Kiffin, I have learned the hard way in the past not to discount the other two possibilities. Absolutely. I've covered enough coaching searches to know that, including a couple at South Carolina. So you're right. Well, Josh, we really appreciate it, bud. Thanks for being gracious with your time. We've uh, we we started this. Uh, I'm finally streaming, man. You remember you say you need to stream. Yeah. Look, every every football nightly down south alumni should be streaming. I've always told you that. Yeah, I, I've got it. We love it. We're, we're episode 67, so uh, we're getting there. But we appreciate it, man. Uh, really big fan of your work. All of our fans are fans of yours as well. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. It was good to see you. Thank Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> The great Josh Pate. Boy, that was – who here thought that was fun? I, I did. Yeah, man. Great. I wasn't, I wasn't even going to talk that much about Carolina, Tennessee. I was just going to – Yeah. I, I wanted to ask the Auburn thing. And he mentioned A&M. I was going to mention A&M as well. But, uh, you know, certainly that's the case there. And, uh, you know, it's funny. He said, your own Kendall Bryles. Hmm. That's very intriguing, Phil. Oh, I wonder. I tell I you wonder. what, JC. Let's uh, let's bring JB in because he's already. Is he already in. in? Wow, everybody's uh, everybody's oh, in. Let, let me get this cocky talk question answered though. You Go can right win. Ahead. You can win titles at any school with NIL. Cocky talk. I don't know that that's accurate because I'll tell you this right now. 
Um, go look at uh, Texas A&M and Miami. Yeah. The, those two schools were the most bold, uh, put your uh, junk on the table, NIL people, and look at how they're struggling this year. Yeah. I and think there's a lot know. of Pandora's box that gets open when you go and, and have a robust NIL thing. That being said, Auburn's got 13 million about to go out in NIL. Uh, we got about 200 grand right now uh, for the whole year. <laughs> and 50 of it goes to, to another sport. So, um, you know, join Carolina Rise, man. <laughs> you know, we, we need it there. I mean, it's, it's like. That's like one of the things, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so, so that's the deal there. But, uh, you know, I, I think, I think honestly, if, if you want to get right down to the numbers, I think if, if we got Carolina rise, we made like 500 to 750 a year. South Carolina can recruit just fine to win. Um, and all that Pruitt says you can't win titles at Ole Miss. You can't at Auburn. It's that simple. Hey, it's proven. Auburn's won national championships, had undefeated seasons, won SEC titles, been in the hunt. Ole Miss is one of the, of the few teams that have never been to Atlanta. <laughs> they're not going this year either. Nope. Yeah, and they're not going to make it this year either. They got close, but not, 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 enough. not enough. You know, RB asked about Phil Longo, the North Carolina UNC coordinator. This has been rumored for like, a long time, uh, so we're talk, going to talk about it again. Uh, he speaks Drake May, Heisman contender, ACC contending team coming to South Carolina. I, I'm sort of with you. Money does talk. Um, I, I, I would, if I had a hot board, I would put him on it. But I'm with you, RB. I, I just don't know that it's it, it's something that'll happen. So where'd JB go? Oh, I put him. I think I caught him off guard, but he's back now. What's up, JB? No, oh, okay. sorry about I had, that, dude. No, I had moved my guitar and it was about to fall over, and so oh, I was like, yeah. "Oh no!" I know. Uh, I was like, "Let's bring JB in." I saw you run. I'm like, "Oh hell!" Yeah, <laughs> you know, you play, to, us a, play us a song, JB. I had to Never catch mind. my instrument. My kids have been up here goofing around, and so I saw it and I looked at it. And I thought, "What the hell is?" What, what? And it's all out of tune, and so I was tuning it, and I just set it over there because you had texted me. And said twelve thirty, but yeah. then for whatever reason, I looked at my phone. I said, "Oh, it's twelve fifteen. I'm late." But I, but literally thirty minutes ago, you said twelve thirty. So I just, it's just been one of those. That's all right. Hey, hey, listen, Clint. man, it's been like that for me too. I hell, I don't even know what time zone half our so, guests. Yeah, are you, you didn't catch me off guard. I, I was, I, I was ready, and then I saw, I saw my, my guitar going. <laughs> hashtag visit John goes hashtag visiting dignitaries was it you're following Josh Pate today yeah I know the I great well, Josh Pate. what have you got a lot of early drinkers uh, on, this, <laughs> on, this, uh, on this chat over here anybody that thinks you're gonna put me in the same boat as him that, that we, we always do we have we have one guy that like gosh I guess it was like the the Thursday before it wasn't even the Thursday of the South Carolina State game it was like the Thursday before it's like already drinking game guys by yeah. 60 and I think <laughs> Georgia was the opponent you know um yeah. uh Jimmy I do want to address this Clint says would Jimmy Smith the running backs coach at Arkansas be a possibility if the Gamecocks happen to lend Kendall Browse as their next OC I don't think Jimmy's if they're if 
big if, if there happened to be a running backs coach uh, opening at South Carolina, I think Jimmy Smith would be in the mix regardless. He's a Darlington native, coached in at Atlanta yeah. at uh, Cedar Grove High School. He coached – that was Bryson Allen Williams High School, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's – I think he would be a guy if they changed running backs coaches, uh, period. Um. All right, JB, how you doing? Well, I, if I threw y'all off, I can come back at twelve thirty. It's fine. No, you're good, man. No, okay. listen. We'll take a break. Break. Uh, I do. Let me get in one more question. JC, what are your thoughts about doing something like what Texas did and combining the NIL collectives together into one? If there was a well, you have to understand the other one's run by you know by website competitor, and I, I think he kind of feels like it is a competition. I don't know. I haven't asked him. I always say it's not. I don't care. Just give to somebody. And so I don't see that happening. Um, I can see the university kind of getting and promoting it like other schools do or promoting all of them. Um, I'd be open to it, but I I doubt they would. All right. So disaster last weekend in the swamp, JB. Um, Just go, man. I mean, I I keep talking about it. I, 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 you know, it's a pathetic offensive performance, bad defense to start with. Um, I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I think people need to back off of Shane Beamer as a head coach, stop questioning the hire, uh, you know, and let him fix it. I do think it will be fixed, but, uh, you know, what say you about the current state of things? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bad on offense. I mean, uh, it's it's gotten worse, and – you know, when I guess when Marshawn's not playing, they don't they don't know what to do. I guess um, is you know from a standpoint of Beamer, I, look there there's going to be a time and place when he will. He's not. He said it yesterday, and he's he's right. He's not above criticism. Matter of fact, he he makes a bunch of money to be criticized. That's just the nature of the beast as a as a college football coach, um, and and he he understands that. But as far as, you know, whether he is capable of, of making the right moves and this, that, and the other, let's, let's just wait till we see what moves he makes first. I mean, obviously, if he, if he doesn't make a move, that's a, that's a red flag. There's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt. Five alarm uh, fire. Yeah. yeah, it's bad. That's, that's not good. Um, you know, then you really put into question what, what, what we're working with here at South Carolina. Well, it said, you know, I, I, I my personal opinion, if you said, you know, straight up, what do you think is going to happen? I think there's going to be multiple moves made in the offseason to better this program. I mean, you can't you can't tell people that this is the, your dream job, the only place you want to coach and this, that, and the other, and then not be willing to do what needs to be done to make it the best that it can possibly be, right? So, um, you know, and Shane also, I mean, let's say that he does have aspirations of coaching somewhere else at some point in time in his career. Who knows? Uh, I don't think he does. But if he does, like, he can't fail here because then it's, then it's you know, he, he's not going to get one. He's not going to get a gig that he would aspire to get. So, so let's just kind of be careful before we start throwing darts at Shane. All right, so let's put that on the side. Um, on the other side is – do you have specific to offense here? Do you have anything to lose by making a move now before the end of the season? I mean, I seem to think they no. The answer to that question would be no. Is there somebody else that's capable of calling plays? I, I I don't know. I just don't know that it could be much worse 
than what it's been offensively. I think all that we don't really need to get into all the specifics because we've been doing this for a long time and we all know what the reasons are. There's no point in just continuing to circle that drain, but like it's it's gotten worse and better competition it embarrasses South Carolina. Um, not to make this the longest answer in the world, but I mean, I, I was I was on the phone with somebody this morning. And, and this is kind of how I summarize a lot of this. It's not about the losses, okay? Um, if you, going into the 2021 season, I would say if you polled the entire fan base, the competent side of the fan base, and said Carolina's going to finish the season 7-6 and six with victories over Florida and Auburn and North Carolina in the bowl game, um take it or leave it, Shane Beamer's first year. Nine out of ten would raise their hands and say, give it to me, right? Now, if you would come into the 2022 season and said, after ten games going into Tennessee and Clemson, South Carolina is going to be sitting at six and four with a chance to win another one and then maybe win one in the bowl game and get to eight, eight wins, everybody more than likely is going to also raise their hand and say, we'll take it. But those are, those are just the numbers. Those are just the wins and losses, okay? That, that's it. So you have to add context behind that question, right? And the context is, what does it look like? Okay? So I would say that if you said coming into the season that they would be 6-4 and four with wins over Kentucky and A&M, a couple of streak break- breakers, everybody go, hell yeah, we'll take it. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Kind of expected to lose to Arkansas anyways. Definitely expected to lose to Georgia. In Florida, you just never know. And that game's in the swamp. Um, So they would have absolutely raised their hands. People probably wouldn't have been very happy about losing to Missouri. But I'll bet you this, to beat A&M in Kentucky and take a loss to Missouri, most people would have taken it. So the record is not the upsetting part at all. We all wish it could be better, certainly. I mean, I think Carolina could be 7-3 and right now, if not 8-2, and but they're not. So 6-4 and is an acceptable record in year two for Coach Beamer. But it's what it's come with it's left no hope for what is remaining and that's the issue right like there was a time and place guys and we've all been doing this for a long time and all these you know awesome people all your fans in the in their chat rooms and stuff like that um there was a time where when you were bringing a top five program into williams bryce stadium we all looked at that as an opportunity it was like oh we're gonna give them hell because we got a chance if they get us involved if this place is rocking like it usually is on Saturday nights at Williams Bryce Stadium, we're gonna beat them. And and, and we we started to really feel a lot of that under Steve. We had some of it under Coach Holtz, and we had spurts and and you know of it prior to that, pockets of it prior to that. But under Coach Spurrier, when you brought a, a nationally ranked program into Williams Bryce Stadium at night, you always felt like you had a chance. Always, period. The end. It didn't matter how good they were. Well, nobody feels like anybody has a chance to even get through one quarter this weekend let alone what's going to happen at Clemson the following weekend. And that's where the issue lies in this, and the fact that when they get beat, they get the crap beat out of them. It's embarrassing. It's not like, oh, man, a play or two here and there, and they would have won the Missouri game. Or, man, you know, Florida just really had their best game of the season, and we just coughed it up once or twice, right? And it just didn't go our way. But, man, that's okay because we got Tennessee coming, and we know we got a good football team. Nobody's thinking that because – when they get beat, they get the crap beat out of them, and, and it's just embarrassing. I mean, Arkansas was cl- was a fairly close score, but 
you really, if you watched the game, you felt like you were just getting the crap beat out of you the whole game for the most part, with the exception of a couple of plays when they made it 21 to 16. Clearly the Georgia game. Missouri from the first snap almost, it was like, what are we doing here? Same thing against Florida. And then you go back to what happened last year. So it's become a trend of just getting the crap beat out of you. So the context has to be added to the conversation. The record for Coach Beamer is not bad compared to what everybody's expected them to do. But we know they have good players, and nobody still can figure out why when you go into a game that is that that doesn't go your way to start with, it doesn't ever settle down, calm down, or get better. It just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where you feel like you, us, none of us are on the screen. But you, like, I felt embarrassed watching the game, and the country wasn't watching me actually play football. Like, I could feel like you probably want to crawl into a turtle shell while you're out there. Like, this is a nightmare. And that's where a lot of people are. With that said, there's only one game left at Williams-Brice Stadium this year, and for eight months a year, we look forward to getting in there and watching them play football. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the atmosphere is. Loads of good recruits. Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler calling the game. I was like, ah, God. <laughs> uh, SEC Nation, uh, again, massive amount of recruits coming in this weekend. So, folks that uh, want to yell at Sat, hold your fire till at least the second quarter so they can get them up to the buffet over the zone <laughs> and kind of hide them. Uh, Marcus Satterfield's offense sucks. Uh, I've been saying it for two years, but I think I can just uh, clearly say it right now. I do think there has to be changes. But here's a stat for you. I'm, I'm taking out the garbage touchdowns, like the one they scored late against Georgia this year, meaningless. Uh, the one they scored uh, – or the two they scored at A&M last year after having five yards through the third quarter. That was an embarrassment. Uh, meaningless. And, and then there was a special teams touchdown against Florida. The offense did not score. And then Clemson shut them out. So 17 games against Power 5 opponents. So it's shut out. Shut out now. Shut out for all intents and purposes. Uh, unless it's garbage time and a couple of them, four times, that's 23.5% where against power five competition and, mm-hmm. you know, A&M was good on defense last year. Not great. Clemson obviously was good. Georgia's obviously good on defense. Florida was not coming in. So how, how do these other teams scheme them up and just go? I have no idea. You're getting shut out almost a quarter of the time through two years. I mean, and then there's some other anemic games, too, where you you can't score on Vandy last year. You can't score on Troy. You can't score on ECU. Um, Yeah. I just think it's done. Uh, And and, and as far as pulling the plug goes, uh, I would have done it. Uh, I don't think people need to come after Shane Beamer like Spence in here is talking about. He's not a leader because he's not pulling the plug right now. I think what he's doing is trying to – you know, because you have to understand these are human beings on the team. And I, I think that he's probably like, well, I don't, I don't want to necessarily pull the plug and throw it into even more chaos because, you know, you want to go into the game convincing your team they can play their best and win. That's part of being a good head coach, especially the next, not, maybe not Saturday, but the next Saturday, especially. Um, and, and, and I just don't know that when you hand them that gigantic, hand that playbook to somebody else that there's enough time JB with, uh, you know, with the the preparation this week, then you got Thanksgiving and stuff next week to get ready for Clemson. Uh, I I just don't know that there's enough time to, to, to get it gelled with a new play caller. Now, should he maybe have done it 
after the Georgia game this year? I think that's a fair argument. But, you know, this notion that Beamer's failing leadership-wise by not doing it now, I think that's a little harsh. I mean, you know, honest to God, I would love to quit having this conversation and just have it done from my standpoint. But I can kind of sort of see the the reason why with two games left, uh, he's doing what he's doing. You know, your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I do. I, I understand that. I, I, I really do. Look, I, I, I've never been a head coach. Uh, it, it, well, I have been a head coach, but not of a college football program uh, and, and certainly not in the SEC. And, you know, so I, it, it's hard to really be critical of Shane because we, we all – JC, you've been covering college football for over 20 years, man. Like, like we, you, you know this as well, as well as anybody. Phil, you know this as well as anybody. We don't know what we don't know. He might have the whole damn thing lined up for for the for the foreseeable future. We have no idea. Okay, we we have no idea. Shane and every coach out there can never get in front of a camera and just tell you everything. They just can't do it. Right. Yeah. And and so like and there's a lot of reasons for that, but that's going to be a whole nother show to even have to go to go down that road. So, um, you know, I I I don't blame him. I understand what he's doing. I I'm not saying that it's right. I. I personally probably would have made a change, but again, I'm not even qualified to make the decision uh, because I don't know what you have to gain in these last couple of games. But he might say, "Well, we got a hell of a lot more to lose. Like you think it's bad now, it could get really bad." So, you know, I'm not sure. I, I do think he's probably looked in the mirror and realized he's probably made a couple of mistakes along the way in putting this thing together. I think there's some credit that's probably deserved as well. Like they have not had anybody just quit and transfer. Um, this happening all over the country. Yeah, and nobody's left. No, nobody's yeah, left. Yeah, they're now already that, bailing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's not to say that's not going to happen at the end of the year. And I, my gut tells me that if you don't make a change, you're gonna it's going to happen in droves, and uh, and then you'll just have to see who you bring in as to who you can to get with them. But um, but so far, you know, he's done a hell of a job as a leader of the program and and keeping these guys at, at least it looks like on the outside world engaged. I know there's been some social media spitter spatter and stuff like that, but. Um, you know, nobody's quit. Nobody's quit. So, you know, that 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 is definitely a feather in the cap for for Coach Beamer, and and that is something that's really, really good. I, You know, I think you look at a lot of the personnel decisions, and I think as time goes on, we're going to be able to kind of get a little bit more clarity on some of this. So think about this, all right? And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on your show, and we saw him uh, in the game last week, um, in, well, the last couple of games. But so to, every time to carry on Joyner goes in, something good happens generally at quarterback, right? Well, in 2006, when Blake wasn't playing well, and Blake's one of my good buddies, you know, so it was it was hard to to watch. I was, felt bad for him. I mean, he was trying. He just wasn't working. Steve put Savelle in there, and he just let him run with it. And that offense changed dramatically. And so, like, I, I'm not saying that Blake and Spencer Rattler are comparable that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that change was necessary. Steve went to a quarterback that was just going to better fit and help them win games. And he knew in the offseason he'd have to go in and try to fix it, right? They had Garcia coming. They had Chris Smelly kind of coming and getting ready to go. So he felt like he had a good competition coming up uh, at the quarterback position in the 2007 season. Blake was returning again. Um, and so they were, they, were, they were excited for that. But he had to win games in 06. He yeah. had to get his offense moving. And, he, and every time Savelle was in there at quarterback, they played well. And so, like, things like that, like, I don't know if – I don't know what I don't know. We don't know what we don't know. But I do know that when I watch, like, to carry on get in there, the ball moves, and then he comes out of the game. 
And so I'm like, I, I'm not sure if we promised somebody something or haven't, or he doesn't grasp the offense or what. I don't know what it is, but I do know that the guys that can consistently move the ball down the field, no matter what that looks like, whether it fits your system scheme, whatever, it doesn't matter. The guys that can actually consistently move the ball generally don't have it. And I don't know why that is. Like, we still don't we still don't have the answer. So as time goes on, we'll look back. We'll ask a lot of these questions. Hopefully there will be some clarity. And whoever may be in the future, if there's somebody new running the offense, you know, we'll kind of be reminded of like, oh, this is kind of how it works. You just play the guys that actually, you know, move the ball for you. Uh, they catch the ball. They run it. They throw it. They, they do all the things that need to be done. Um, there's just a lot of stuff. And a lot of it we haven't even talked about. We should. It doesn't really matter at this point. It is what it is. But, like, We'll look back and we'll ask those questions like, well, if, if, if this guy's so good, why the hell is he not playing? I don't know. Yeah, I think the carry on is a quarterback. And, I, and I, I'm with you, especially like Saturday. I probably, you know, after he caught the, the I mean, he's kind of, he was playing with some, some fire, uh, you know, and I, I'd have probably put him in. And, you know, a, a lot of those plays he could make, you know, get, he gets outside of the structure of the offense and, makes things happen on his own. I think he's a little bit more comfortable doing that because I think Spencer Rattler's head uh, is uh, – I just think he's lost, man. I, I just uh, – and not that to carry on, if he was being asked slash trained to do the same thing, wouldn't be uncomfortable. But, but the good thing about Joyner, he just goes and plays, and he does it very naturally. Um, so, well, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what you need right now on mm-hmm. offense. The, we've watched – how many games have they played? 23? So, I mean, none of it it, – it, it doesn't work. Like, you yeah. kind of just need backyard football right now. Like, oh, I, I'm all for that. In fact, that would – yeah, that would probably be my plan Saturday nights. A lot of – but, I mean, you know, in fairness, they don't let Rattler do that. I mean, it's like uh, we talk about the boots and waggles and slants, and they don't throw it over the middle, and, and, and it's just a disaster. But uh, I don't see anything – I wouldn't have seen anything wrong with not giving Joyner a set of plays – not giving him a package, giving him an entire series to see if he could move it against the Gators because nothing else was working. And that's another big problem with this offense. It's like if it doesn't work, they just keep doing it. And then the personnel usage just kills me because in addition to Joyner, you know, Austin Stogner was one, the one of the few bright spots on offense against Missouri, right? You're finally getting to see what he can do. Four snaps in the first half yeah. against the Gators. I mean, and, and we've seen that over and over and over again. And if, if for two years, a guy will have a huge game, and then he's out of the game plan the next week. Well, I mean, I, it almost seems personal or restrictive because it's all about the system. And, I, and, and, and that could get you beaten football worse than anything. Somebody that has a system that sucks, that doesn't know what to, how to call plays, that has no feel for the game, but, you know, obviously thinks he knows a little bit. That can get you beat quicker than anything in college football yeah. or pro football these days. Um, all right, yeah, I will. Uh, go and, and, uh, y'all probably got to. I'm sure go just ahead. a little bit of a little break, but go ahead. Finish. Yeah, I know you probably got to hit a, a, a quick break, but um, but yeah, look, and you know, on top of on top of all of that, like it's. I've said this and I've said it and I've said it and it's I'm not speaking this into existence. This is going to happen. Like if you don't remember the other 15 times we've talked about it, remember 1240 on November the 16th. I'm going to say this one more time. It's 2022. We're all going to watch the NFL in 2025, if not sooner. And you're going to see a lot of these 
guys that play on the offense at South Carolina in the league. You're, you're going to see a lot of them. Uh, you're, you're, a couple of linemen are going to make teams. I don't know how, how long they'll play, but they will at some somehow, some way, be on an NFL roster. Juice Wells is going to the NFL. Stogner's going to the NFL. Jaheim Bell, same thing. Marshawn Lloyd is going to the NFL, and, and, I'm, and I'm missing one or two. And we're going to look back, and we're going to go, how did this team not score points? We did it again. We did it after 2017. All right, that offense wasn't really good. Um, BMAC got in there and called a hell of a second half. They beat Michigan, got their ninth one of the season, and Coach Muschamp's second year, he got the job. And then, but if you remember, the large majority of 2016 or um, uh, 2017, it, it was it was a real struggle, of course, to score points, right? And um, and I'm an uh, NFL guys <laughs> under Kurt Rover. We look up the NFL. Shy. In 2020, yeah. they're all in the league. Hey, Hayden, Hayden, Hayden Hurst, Shy, Brian, Brian Edwards. Edwards. There's, uh, there's Dennis Daly, Dennis Daly. If you will, Rico Dowdle, Cowboys. Rico, Tyson, Tyson, Tyson Williams, Williams stuck on a roster for a while. I mean, yeah. Donnell you know, made a roster. Donnell Stanley. I mean, uh, uh, Zach Bailey, Zach, Zach Bailey, Bailey. If you will, he was it was on a practice squad for a while. And so that, yeah, he couldn't score. We said the same thing. <laughs> he couldn't score. You and I talked about this on my show a couple of years ago. How did that team not score points? We're well, going to have this same conversation. It's going to add more to the frustration down the road. Well, what's crazy, too, is it's like I thought Kurt Roper, though, as flawed as he was, was head and shoulders better than Marcus Satterfield. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think – and it's kind of funny. Both of them kind of spent one year in the NFL getting coffee and came back and thought, wow, we're going to do all this great stuff. Yeah. If, if Kurt had just – did like he did Jake's first year and run the David Cutcliffe offense. I think he'd score more points. No, no, we got to put in all these RPOs. I learned with the Cleveland Browns, that juggernaut or the, uh, the Panthers jug. I mean, I think Sats at a whole different level than Roper though. I think it's just, it's the same flawed play calling, losing your mind during the game, uh, not having a feel for it, getting, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Well, same think, pro- same I mean, problems think, in game Roper did, but it's 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 a it's, yeah, it's a but, whole different level. But a lot of that stuff with Kurt though was also kind of under the umbrella of what Will wanted. Shane, yeah. Shane lets you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. I mean, he is he is like a lot. I don't know that a lot of people understand that in in coaching and having a good leader who allows you to do your job. Like Shane is one of the he's learned that from a lot of really good coaches. Like I'm going to hire you and I'm going to let you coach. And then now we're just having to learn about Shane, whether he is going to make moves based on the the outcome of those decisions. Right. And I, I think he will. But like that's where, a, you know, that's where a lot of good is built. Hey, you know, Coach Tanner was very similar to that. And, and, and I know a lot of people like to dog on Coach Tanner and stuff, but he's also very similar in an AD role. And he's he's actually kind of tightened the reins over the years. But and the fact that when he, he hired you, this is your job. You do it. I don't want to look over your shoulder the whole time. Like I, I'm hiring you because I think you're good at what you do. Do it, and and if we got to make a move, we'll make a move. So, you know, that's that's a that is a real positive for Shane Beamer, and I think something that you mentioned the human ele- element earlier. Like a lot of people aren't going to talk about this because you know it's just not something we could ever understand. But co- good coaches do want to coach for head coaches who allow them to to do their thing. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that's going to be a big feather in his cap in the offseason if he's making changes. And when he does interview people, they're going to know that about him. Like, hey, look, I can come coach at South Carolina without Coach Beamer breathing down my neck. 
I forgot about Keyshawn Nixon on defense and all those defensive guys, too, that are in the NFL. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This has been maybe the best hour fill of the show we've had it's in a while. Great, man. It, yeah. it's, it's, Thanks it, to Josh Payne. It, it, it's probably no, – no, 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 no. You brought the heat. It, probably not as no. funny as when I got off on the Coach O in the summer thing. Well, we, yeah. we ended it strong you know, last it is strong. Was Friday. The yes. Coach O in the summer. I'm going to Dustin, Florida. We're going to get t-shirts like, oh, we'll have a silhouette with a surfboard, the sex wax, you know, with it. This is my sex wax for my board. I'm a coach all in the summer. All right, Phil, take us to break. We'll be right back to wrap it up with Jamie Bradford on a hump day right here on the show. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention, attention, golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? 
yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. What's up? This is Diane Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. Second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at aburgesson, that's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net. Uh, Meredith texted me, too, as well. Meredith Taylor, who uh, finished her playing season with a win, I think, in the... Damn, I can't remember what it was, but congrats. Finish with the trophy. It's a, a, a hell of a trophy. I saw the trophy, yeah. I saw the trophy. But she played yeah, down but I here. Think, she played yeah, down here okay. in, uh, in mm-hmm. Hanahan at, at uh, uh, Yeaman's Hall. Yeah, she looked like she had a good weekend, a girls weekend or something going on. I don't yeah, know. She, I played, her she, played out jo- she played out at Joe's place, too, out at uh, Bulls Bay. Oh, Bulls Bay. How, how swanky. I don't know if she played. Mm-hmm. I don't think Joe played, but. Congrats to Meredith Taylor. Uh, we wish her all the best. And we're going to get her back on the show soon now that she's done. There she is. Yeah. Gonna put the, uh, the trophy back. emoji yeah. up right there, Phil. Nice. Yeah. There you go, Mir. Yeah. We there used to have, when I was when I was on ESPN and doing JB and Goldwater, but probably the best, I mean, of all the stuff I've done with football and basketball and baseball and all this stuff, I, probably the most fun I ever had in broadcasting was the week of the 2019 uh, U.S. Women's Open here in Charleston. And we had Glaze and Meredith in town all week, and we were live out on the course for, I think, six straight days. It was the coolest thing ever, man. We had Annika Sorenstam on the show, and Meredith was running around talking to all these pro golfers, and I'm like, nice. hey, hey, how you know Sweet. all these cats? You know? I mean, it was it was really cool. I mean, that was yeah, I have, a, I have a friend that works for the Golf Channel, Lisa Cornwell. Uh, you have to get her on sometime. Talk some well, I have to do that. Well, she's a, she's a Razor, Razorback fan, too. Big-time Arkansas fan. Actually, is Bill Clinton's cousin. Oh boy! I have a signed picture of the President Clinton there. Hey, JC, thanks for your support, Bill Clinton. I'm looking at it right now. Here's so. a special cigar. Here, thank you. It. Thank you. Uh, somebody's killing somebody in my house oh my right goodness. now. Sorry no, about that. Hope not. Um, not bad about that. Satterfield's game plan for Saturday. Yeah, it, it, you know, and look, I, I, you know, the it's it's. It's it's worth talking about. He did say something today that I, I – he's right about this. He said, hey, look, I've coached other places. It's basketball season now. You know, everybody cares, you know. And so – and he's he's dead on about that. <laughs> it's still football season it in is, South Carolina. His press conferences nice. don't really bother me as much as they do other people. Like some of his comments, I'm like scratch my head or shake my head, but – 
I will give him one piece of good credit. He does get there. He gets up there every week. He does. He he has to know things are not good. Yeah. And, and he, he remains calm and not combative and answers questions. And, you know, hey, <laughs> so that's a good answer. You know, I, yeah. it's not. And that's why when people like on Twitter get out, like, Tweeted his wife and stuff. That's ridiculous. Who, by the way, we're all blocked uh, by his wife, but that's fine. Really? <laughs> I, I wear that as a bad. No, I'm still in. I'm not sure she likes the criticisms. Of, I, 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 I she followed me not long ago. Oh, so. perhaps. Well, anyway, I, I think it's because I tweeted something maybe that I was a little critical. I, I haven't mentioned him by name. Yeah, this I don't year. at him on Twitter. I don't. I don't, add, I don't, no, I don't add anybody when I'm no. anyway. No. Um, well, and, and let's leave it at this. Um, I, I think that, um, I think if they do make a move at the end of the year, it's important to find a system. This is the sec. You're going to have injuries. Quarterbacks going to go down. Running backs are going to go down. Linemen receivers. It is important to have a system. Yes. Some play, players are better than other players. Yeah. Best players for a reason. Cause they're better than everybody else. But you've got to have a system that if you have to plug somebody else in, they can at least run the system. Like it's not going to be, a, a, you know, you know, some type of whacked out science or some, you know, foreign language to them. Like you got to be able to plug a guy in and he, he might not be as good. You know, he might not run routes like that other guy or he might not have that Marshawn Lloyd first step or whatever it is. But at least he's capable. I mean, does anybody remember 2014? Like the defense wasn't good, Ooh. but the offense was. Does anybody remember Brandon Wilds? Who recruited him? Not a damn team out there, except for South Carolina. He was the fifth string running back, and he had a hell of a year because he was in a player friendly system, Coach Spurrier's system, right? So, I mean, I think that was 2014, if I'm correct. So, I mean, you know, running backs kept going down and down and down, and you're going, um, so what do we do? Who the hell is Brandon Wilds? Well, like, is that not kind of a similar situation now where you got your top two guys out and you got guys like Rashad Amos sitting over there going, you know, I can, I can run. Well, no, you can't. But yeah, I can. I'm a running back. It's kind of why y'all recruited me here. I mean, I'm, I'm here to run. Give me the ball. You know, why does he not play? Is it because he's not as good as your tight end, Jaheim Bell, who's at running back? I don't think so. So they got to find a whatever the system is, you got to find a system that's friendly to players because injuries are going to happen. You're going to lose guys. You've got to be able to plug somebody in where they can grow into the system and 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 at least do something for you. Yeah, Josh Pavis thought about the Bryles ish systems. Uh and, and here's something that people don't really uh, pick up on Tennessee if you haven't watched them all year. Their leading receiver, Cedric Tillman, has missed a bunch of time this year. So they're doing all that they've been doing without their number one receiver, who's 6'3", 230. I think Jalen Hyatt would argue who number one is. Right. Yeah, he took it over. Well, and then they and they, they put in a guy, Brew McCoy, who I never thought would amount to anything. Like, 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 you remember the, the Chris Farley thing, jerk squat, you know, this kid committed to Texas, signed with Texas, came back home to Southern Cal, went back to Texas, came to Southern Cal, left again. Uh, it's kind of a kind of flaky kid, ends up at Tennessee because they're the ones that he's caught 35 balls this year and looks, looks, I mean, he's a five, I don't know quite, he's a five star, you know, he's not as good as Hyatt, but he's really good. 
Um, and well, so I mean, you're right. You're again, right. You know, again, you, you go back to the Spurrier years. I mean, okay, outside of Alshon, seriously, I'm asking a real question here. Outside of Alshon Jeffrey, of all the great receivers that had great careers at Carolina, name one that you said, oh, yeah, he's good. As soon as you saw him, oh, he's going to be damn good. Not one of them. <laughs> did did y'all really think that Kenny McKinley recruit, uh, converting from quarterback to wide receiver is going to be the yards holder at Carolina? Anybody thought that? I had, Kenny and I were buddies. We had classes together. I used to sit there and pick on him. I'm like, hey, I mean, you ain't Sydney, dude. Like, Bruce you know, Ellington like, comes I mean, off the basketball team. He yeah, was a point guard. Team, yeah. And, yeah, how about Demir? Um, how about Ace? I know Ace was quick. Did anybody really expect Ace to turn into what he turned into? I mean, like, no, all it, these guys, they, 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 your system can sometimes, if your system is simple enough, it will make the player. Yeah. It, it, it'll create something you didn't know existed there. If that was Ace, the, the receivers coach uh, called up griping. Why was GA taking a 5'7 receiver? What's going on here? Shows you how organized they were in recruiting. And Nick Jones. Nice. How about Nick yeah. Jones? How about uh, Pharaoh Cooper that started as a DB? Tory Gurley spent a year at safety. It's Pharaoh, by the way. So, yeah, I so agree with you. Did me to cut did me to cut you but, off, Phil. Uh, Daniel, Daniel, no. your, yes, Sydney, but when but Sydney now Sydney, we gotta remember first of all, Sydney wasn't recruited by the Spurrier group. Yeah, he was left he was recruited over. by Holtz. Mm -hmm. And and Sydney was a two star athlete, three star athlete, maybe who we were competing with Syracuse to get because he was a basketball player. Mm -hmm. So like nobody really saw but, but God, he was good. Um, you know, so I mean, what I'm saying is like there are only one, two, maybe three names of guys in the whole era of Steve Spurrier. When they signed them, you're like, oh, this guy's just going to be the next dude. Most of the guys that turned into the dudes under Steve were guys that were able to flourish in a player friendly friendly system. That's that's just the truth. So I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I sure as hell hope this week we take 39 seconds to snap every freaking football to grind this thing out <laughs> yeah no <laughs> doubt hey 39 <laughs> seconds and get 3.33 yards you just keep moving it <laughs> yeah i think the simplicity of scheme is actually why is a is directly resulting in why we're seeing the success with the to carry on joiner packages because you got to think his is so much more limited so if, you know if, if rattler's got a million plays one million plays then one million you plays. have to think to carry on probably only has about a hundred <laughs> in comparison so why would they not execute that a lot better and that's the thing that infuriates me about satterfield and it's one of the things that infuriates me about satterfield when he does get up there granted he's up there taking the questions at the press conferences but i think it just speaks to his arrogance and and that is the one thing that i really do not like about him not that i know him personally but he just yeah strikes me as somebody who comes off a bit arrogant well it it, it does and and i don't want to get personal because i, no, I don't no. you know what if you know Marcus Satterfield, honestly, you know, I, I would love to talk ball with him. I and mean, Pat DeMarco's told me, man, you sit in a room and talk ball with him, like you you literally are floored. Like this guy is brilliant, you know, but it just the system hasn't been working and it's just really unfortunate. Hey, look, real quick, before we let before y'all let me go, can I share a quick story with you? Go. Yeah. I know I know that we're overdue here, and I don't want to hold JC up from carpool or cleaning up the dog food or whatever just happened there, but um I, I feel like of all the things I have not accomplished in life, I have accomplished being a parent. And let me tell you why. On Halloween, the day, two, a couple days before Halloween, I took my little kids. For those who don't know, I have twin little girls. They'll be four in March. They're three and a half. 
And we went to school, and Hannah, Riley was an alligator, and Hannah was a dinosaur, but Hannah would not wear her dinosaur costume to school for the parade, the Halloween parade at school. I, I couldn't figure it out. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just take you to school in your clothes. If you decide to get into it, get into it. We get there, and I said, hey, why don't I get you dressed in here? All the other kids are in their costumes. And she said, okay, Daddy. So we walked into the teacher's room, and I started to get her dressed. She started tearing up, and she said, I, I, Dad, I can't, I can't wear this. And I said, why not? She said, because this dinosaur costume's orange and Clemson's yucky. <laughs> Raising them right. Yucky. Said, oh, my God, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We don't have to worry about a thing. Yucky. It but, tastes yucky, don't it? <laughs> so, but that, that costume my wife bought, and it was expensive as hell. So I said, well, Daddy wore one when he was three. Oh, you did? So she put it on, but we threw it away. It's gone now. Uh, so oh, uh, well, thank, raise, thank raise you. Your, raise your kids right, boys and girls. Make sure that they understand at a young age, no orange. No orange. No right. orange. All right, I, Jenny. I don't, I don't know if they keep it close. Don't ask me. But uh, yeah, I, I do know this. I look forward every year to sitting in my seats seven times. These are my days that I get to go spend time with my family and my friends and, and sit there and watch the one thing in life that I love and makes me miserable. So I'm going to be cold and more than likely miserable, but we'll definitely be there on Saturday night, and I hope all you will too. Awesome, Jenny. Have awesome. fun in Columbia. We'll talk to you soon, Bob. JC, socks, Wisconsin. What the hell's happening? You got a Rudy poster over your shoulder? No, Damn that's man. not Rudy. That's Rudy with a cold draft beer in his hands. That's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not. That's not just Rudy. That's Rudy with a cold draft. Oh, think about it. Uh, yeah, I, I got Keith also over my other shoulder here too. <laughs> so, oh, memories from the independence bowl in 2014. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, we've run, to, run over here folks, but Hey, it's therapeutic for all of you and all of us. So <laughs> we enjoy it. Thanks JB. Talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks guys. Mm-hmm. See you. Yes, sir. All right. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get out of here, but yeah, that is, that is Rudy with a cold draft beard in his hand. I, I just dig that. Love it. Love it too. All right, folks, we got to get out of here. It's been a hell of a hump day. Uh, if you missed anything, it'll be up on the podcast format. Also, some things up on our YouTube page for Phil Mullinax. It's JC Sherbert. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Who, who we got tomorrow again? We got Whittle coming in to talk a little basketball. Yeah, we're trying to work out uh, Wes Rucker, a 24 7 sports, to talk some Vols football here early yeah. in the morning. Of course, it's Thursday. So, Chris Phillips, at Spurs Up Show, yeah, and Spurs John Whittle will join us at noon. We've got another action packed episode. All right. We appreciate all you in the chat box today. Got a little animated today, but certainly appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. There are better days ahead, folks. I could be like Harry Carey and go, one of these days, hey, the Chicago Cubs, as sure as I'm alive and drinking this ice-cold Budweiser, shout out to Martha from Schaumburg, uh, the Chicago Cubs, We'll win the World Series. Sure as I'm sitting here, better days are ahead for the Gamecocks. That was a crappy Harry Carey. I usually do better, but we're st- stuck on time, and my fiance's looking at me like, you need to come on. <laughs> so, for Phil Molinax, J.C. Sherbert, this has been the show. Holla at you soon.